Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. This morning as we, uh, as we begin, I do want to take just a moment to, to acknowledge that uh, there are churches in a community very near uh, to us, uh, Gladeville. The Glade, Gladeville Baptist, for one, I know, was not having service this morning because of damage to their building from the storm. Uh, I believe Gladeville Methodist uh, was able to have service this morning but still had some damage from the storm. And so I do want to ask that you would all remember those communities. And I have reached out to, uh, to a few friends I know at both of those congregations to see if there was anything that we could do besides pray for them. Uh, haven't heard of anything we could do yet, but I will keep you posted if there's anything that comes up. Um, physically, I know that some of you have expressed some interest. If I find anything out, that you'd be happy to help in any way. So I will uh, certainly do that. But until we find out otherwise, I would ask that you pray uh, for them. And I, I just want to take a moment as we start to do just that. So let's pray together specifically for those communities. Father God, though, we pray for the Gladeville community, Lord, to those communities that were affected uh, last night in the storm, Lord God, we pray for the, the buildings of worship that were affected, Lord God. But we thank you that the building of worship is not the church, Lord God. And we thank you that, that the church continues to move and thrive and, and live, Lord God. And we pray that that building would be repaired uh, in due time, Lord God. But we pray that worship of you would continue uh, throughout this time, Lord. We pray if there's any way that, that as a band of believers, as a church, we could come together and, and assist one another and pick one another up, God. I pray that we would be able to do that as a congregation here, Lord God. We thank you for all you do, and it's in your precious name we pray, God. Amen. Now, I, I truly love Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I tell you this, for some time, for, for a number of years, really, Thanksgiving has become my favorite holiday uh, in terms of, of, of the holidays we celebrate. You know, as a kid, you get so excited about birthdays, and you get so excited about uh, Christmas because of the presents and the things that come around. But for me, as I've gotten out of that point, uh, I've started to recognize how much I really love Thanksgiving. There's, there's no gifts at Thanksgiving that are really, really put on, and I'm kind of one of those soapbox guys that Christmas drives me nuts because of how focused on gifts and, and everything and how commercialized it's become. It, it drives me insane. But Thanksgiving, you don't really have that concern. It hasn't become so commercialized. Now, the day after Thanksgiving has perhaps become as commercialized as any day in the world. But that day of Thanksgiving, that Thursday seems to have been protected from some of that. And it's really a time where we just get together with people we love. We get together with people we love. We share a meal. I like to eat, for those of you who couldn't tell that. It's an opportunity to truly thank God for one another and truly thank God for what he's done in our lives. And so as we move into this season, we're going to take a little time this morning to look at a psalm that should ring in our lives as believers. It should, it should ring, it should almost be a rallying cry to us to read through this 100th psalm. And it's an opportunity for us to look at, at a psalm that echoes being thankful to God, uh, that should ring in our lives continuously because I believe we often get so busy going 
through life. We get so busy doing all of these things that we sometimes forget to recognize the hand of God in our lives. And so as we start this morning, I do want to take just a moment to thank God publicly for a few things. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, I mentioned a couple of these things, but I'm going to mention them briefly again. Because as a church, Rocky Valley, we have a lot to be thankful for this year. We have a tremendous amount of things to be thankful to God for this year. We can be thankful for the continued blessings of God on our Hearts for Hunger ministry. This is our first full year in Hearts for Hunger. It launched in January of 2017. So we've now had one full year uh, to do this. Well, next month will be one full year, but Thanksgiving to Thanksgiving, one year. And so I did some math. And as of yesterday's giveaway for Hearts for Hunger, as of the November 2017 giveaway for Hearts for Hunger, we have given out 535 boxes of food. 535 boxes of food that we've been able to give out. And here's the thing I love about this ministry. We said, we're, we're not great in number as we started this ministry. We can't afford to, to go out uh, to a warehouse and give out a thousand boxes of food. We can't spread out all over every community. We said as we started, we said we're going to focus on two areas closest uh, to our church building. And we picked uh, Jerry Young's and, and Shady Acres as the places where we would go and set up. And we've been faithful to those communities. And as we've done that and given out those boxes of food... Uh, we've made some really, new, really good new friends along the way. Any of you that have been involved with that ministry, it's so cool to stand back yesterday, uh, and as I just kind of got a chance to stand back and watch for a moment and see conversations between new friends, people that met because of this ministry, people that are talking, that, be each, that see each other once a month. They see each other once a month. Some of you are here because of your connection to the Hearts for Hunger ministry. So it's been a, a tremendous blessing for us to be able to do that. And I am so proud of our church for that. We, we've had an amazing year. Uh, back in the summer, we had an incredible revival. Many of you said it was the best revival that you'd ever been a part of when Brother Rick Corum came and preached and Brother Philip Bruner came and led our music here. It was an incredible revival. Souls were saved and lives were changed that week. We had eight people baptized this year. Uh, we had an increase in attendance. Now, I took the October numbers from 16 and the October numbers from 17, and we had an increase in attendance of just over 20% year over year from October to October. Uh, we had a remodel project. Those of you who haven't seen it if you're new, I challenge you to go through. We're proud of it. I am proud of it. I know I say that a lot, but I'm proud of our education wing, and you should be too, church. Uh, we had a remodel project that went over with no real problems and finished uh, just under budget. We had some tough times this year. We lost some people who were near and dear to us, some family who uh, we loved dearly, but we can be thankful that their faith gives us hope that they are worshiping in a way that we couldn't imagine today. And so we have had so many things to be thankful for. Those are just a snippet of things as we enter into this season that I just became overcome with. And those were quick. Last night as I was, I kind of thought, I want to put something at the front of this message to just let the church 
reflect back on some things that maybe we've forgotten because as the year goes on, we forget about Bible school in the summer. We forget about revival in the summer. We forget about the things that went on, but it has been a wonderful year for us, church. And so I, I want us to really remember that. And, and many of you could take and go back in your own life and say, what is it that I can be thankful for in my family, in my own life? And so we need to, to do that because God, here's the thing. God has been faithful to us. God has been faithful to us as a church. He's been faithful to us as believers. And that's what this psalm is calling out to us to do. To, to look to a God that has been faithful to us and bring some things to him because of the way he has blessed us. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I will worship his holy name. Please stand this morning as we honor the reading of the holy words of our holy God from Psalms Chapter 100. And make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Let's pray. Father God, God, I pray now that you would do what only you can do this morning, and that is let your Holy Spirit abound in this place, Lord God. God, you bind any thought, you bind any distraction, you bind any demon and any spirit from this place that might hinder our worship of you, Lord God, because you are worthy of worship. You're worthy of praise, Lord God. You're worthy of honor. You're worthy of glory. And God, at the end of this service, we will give you that glory and that praise and that honor and take no credit for ourselves for what you do in this house. God, be magnified. And it is in your precious name that we pray and all of God's people said. Amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> the first thing we're going to see that we need to bring to God, that we should come to God with, is that we need to come with a right spirit. We need to come with a right spirit. A few things about that right spirit that we need to come for. The, the psalmist starts out. It says, make a joyful shout, make a joyful noise, some translations may say. And let's break down that just, just a little bit together this morning. Let's just break that down a little bit together. Uh, first, it says that we would make. That literally means the making of music. When he uses that word here, it's literally referring to a, a thing that means to compose or to make of the music. So he's saying to compose, to make a joyful noise. Next, we see the word joyful. That means Alone, that word, that word alone would mean a public confession of the works and attributes of God. And then finally, that word shout. It's a reference to a ringing or a cry of battle. So a ringing type cry or a cry of battle. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I think about going into battle, I don't imagine a reserved noise. I don't imagine a timid noise when you're talking about a battle cry. When I think of a battle cry, I think about some guy standing on the edge of a field in one of those old movies and he's getting ready to go into battle. He says something like, 
He's shouting. I, yeah, I got some of you to smile this morning. There you go. You are alive. I knew it was going to happen if we stayed here long enough. You guys are ready to go. He gives a battle cry. It's a loud cry unto the Lord. And so literally when you put those things together, he, he's saying that we are called to raise an anthem, to raise a song of praise to God for what he's done in our lives. And it ought not be some timid little hiding under a bushel. No, that, this little light of mine is one of my favorite children's songs ever. Is I won't I'll hide it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. We ought to come into the house of the Lord and we ought to bring a right spirit. And part of that right spirit ought to be a song and an anthem of praise to God. Not for the, the good things that he's done. Not for the bad things that he's done. For the attributes of who he is. Because he alone is worthy. We ought to shout his praises. You know I get tickled in scripture. It says the rocks will cry out. You know why I think the rocks have to cry out is because God realized that some of us old people wasn't going to. Huh? What do you think about that? I believe he saw the Baptist church when he said, I'm going to have to make the rocks cry out because some of them old boys ain't going to cry out. They ain't, they're going to be too scared of what somebody thinks when they cry out. We ought to be like that old Indian chief sitting there going, ay, 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 ay. we ought to be ready to go. Worthy of worship. Worthy of praise, worthy of honor, worthy of glory. And if you don't believe that he's worthy of honor and you don't believe that he's worthy of worship and you don't believe that he's worthy of glory, then don't sing. But what that tells me is the reciprocal is that if I look out and you're not singing, you must not think he's worthy of your song. You must not think he's worthy of your worship. Now I know... I know that some of you are going to say something like, well, it says make a joyful noise, brother, and I heard you singing, and your noise wasn't all that joyful. You're right. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But I sat up front, and most of you can't either. But you're defining joyful the wrong way. I didn't say make a, an on-pitch, on-tune musical noise to the Lord. It says make a joyful shout, and it literally means Make a praise because of the attributes of God. It ought not have nothing to do with how you sound. It ought to have to do with who you're singing about. It ain't got nothing to do with whether you're on tune or whether Sister Sherry thinks you sang it right. What it's got to do with is the fact that you were singing about a God that's holy. And if you believe that he's holy and you believe that he saved you and you believe that he died for you, you ought not be able to stop singing. Y'all ever met one of them people that drives you crazy? You ever notice that there's just some people that just walk around all the time and all you hear them doing is praise him, praise him. And you think, God, they just sing all the time. And then they listen to some song on the way to work and they get to work and they start singing Journey at work. They say, don't stop, believe. And they're just always singing. Have you ever looked, though, at somebody? Here's what I want you to think about. Now, I know all of you said the same thing that I did. So I wish they'd shut up. I need a cup of coffee before they sing. But have you ever looked at them and thought, boy, they're miserable? No, you look at them and think, well, I guess they're happy they're singing. Right? It puts a song in your heart. You, you may think they're crazy, but you can't think they're miserable because they're singing. We ought to sing as a response of worship because of who God is. Psalm 40, 1 through 3, David writes, this is I waited patiently for the Lord. The Lord heard my cry. It, says he, this is, it goes on in verse 2. It says, The Lord brought him out of the miry pit, out of the miry clay. And he goes on. He says, He put a new song in my heart. 
David says, I waited on the Lord. He brought me out of the pit and he put a new song in my heart. He said, because of the way that God pulled me out of the pit, I don't sing the same song that I sang when I was in the pit. I don't sound the way that I sounded before he saved me. I've got a joy to sing about that I did not have before. My friends, too many of us are afraid of what might happen if we let loose and praise a holy God for who he is. We're too worried about what somebody might think. We've become too concerned with whether or not somebody sang my favorite verses or somebody sang my favorite hymn or they didn't sing the type of music that I like or they repeated, can you believe he repeated that chorus three times? I can't believe that he repeated that chorus. I can't believe that that pianist missed that A flat note. He, he wasn't supposed to play it when he did and she wasn't supposed to do that that way and it just messed me up because it just wasn't perfect. Uh, that song, well, that song would have been good. If, if they'd have sung one of them songs that was written before 1950, it would have been better. Or, or if we'd have quit singing them old songs that were written before 1950, it might have been a better worship service. And we have gotten so tore up, we have gotten so torn up over what's being sung that we forget to get tore up over who's being sung about. It ain't got nothing... You, Nothing to do with what you like. I'm sorry. Ain't nothing in scripture that ever suggests that it ought to be the way you want it and how you want it. What scripture suggests is that it ought to be about a holy God. And that if it's about a holy God, then the noise is considered joyful. Hang on, let me say that again. If it's about... This side, y'all was asleep. If it's about a holy God, the noise is joyful whether you like it or not. We are singing to God because he's worthy. We're singing to him because he's worthy. And that ought to be distinctly different than a concert. It ought to be distinctly different than a concert. You know, here's what I mean by that. I've been to a lot of concerts in my life. In my younger days, I enjoyed concerts very much. In my older days, I get sleepy before they're over. But you know what I had the opportunity to do with every concert I went to? I got to buy my ticket for that concert and pick who I was going to see. And because I had bought my ticket and picked who I was going to see, I knew the type of music that I was going to hear when I got there, and I knew what to expect when I got there, and I got what I wanted at that concert. But worship is not a concert. Worship is worship. Worship is worship. And it ought not matter if it tickles your fancy every time. Now listen, I'm not saying that, that we, we ought not sing songs that we all like and we ought not be able to get on the same page. But what ought to put us on the same page is who they're about. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. We ought to come with the right spirit and we ought to come with the right spirit in how we serve also. I'll, I'll go quickly. I got a little caught up in that first part. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. That word for serve is a word that describes a slave being in bondage to someone. We are to be in bondage 
to the Lord. You might say we're to be at his beck and call. How was a slave to his master? A slave was to his master in this way, wasn't he? If the master said do it, slave did it, right? The slave did it. We ought to be that way with the Lord. We ought to be at his beck and call. If the Lord commands us to do it, we ought to do it. We ought to be in such bondage to the Lord, in such slavery to the Lord, in such desire of obedience to the Lord, that when the Lord says do it, we ought go and we ought not look back. But look at that phrase. How does it end? Serve the Lord with gladness. That word suggests to be so overcome with emotion that you serve the Lord with laughter or a pleasant expression on your face. We are to be so overwhelmed by the fact that God is God and that God is faithful that we are like a child with a big, goofy grin that's just stuck to his face. Have you ever seen a kid with that big, goofy grin stuck to their face with their eyes this big around? This Friday night, I had the pleasure to take my boys to a high school football game. Now, my youngest son... Carter, who is seven, thinks football is the greatest thing in the world. He's much the same as I was still, um, thinking football is pretty incredible. And I love high school football. And so we took him to a high school football game. I got to go. And I'll have you know that I told him about Wednesday that we were going Friday. And from Wednesday to Friday, that's the only conversation we had was when is the game. Every morning at school, it says, the game tonight I said, no, baby, it's Friday night. And finally, Friday, when I picked him up from school, he said, the game's tonight. And that grin didn't leave his face, really, till about halftime of the game. But I looked over at one point, and I wished I'd have sent this picture to Miss Loretta. I could have shown you what serving the Lord with gladness sort of looked like. But I looked over from the stands, and the team we were rooting for, they scored a touchdown, and I got a picture of him standing there, and literally his face is. And that's all I could think about in this phrase, serve the Lord with gladness, with an expression of joy on your face. We should be so overwhelmed. And that's what it is for him. He was so overwhelmed with the joy of that moment that you couldn't have wiped that grin off with a stick. You couldn't have beat that grin off his face. He was so overwhelmed with that moment. And I probably had one too because I was pretty overwhelmed to be there with him. But we ought to be that way in the house of the Lord. That they ain't no way you could beat that off our face. There ought not be no way that you could knock that grin off our face. That we get to serve the King of Kings. That we get to be in bondage to the Lord of Lords. That the one who created everything from nothing thought enough of me to save me and put me in this place to serve him and I ought to be so overwhelmed that there ain't nothing I can do but look happy. And it's not because I'm faking happiness. It's because I'm overwhelmed with joy that God would use me in some way in spite of who I was. We ought to have this expression of joy on our face that just won't go away. That's how we are supposed to serve the Lord is with gladness. We should be so overwhelmed that we can't help but have this big goofy grin. Let me ask you something this morning, church. How many of us came into the house of the Lord this morning ready to bring our worship to the King of Kings? 
I know it's a tough morning. It's the week before Thanksgiving. Awful lot of people are traveling. Awful lot of viruses and flus and colds going around. There was a tornado last night. It rained 15 inches in 15 minutes. It got cold. There's a lot of reasons that a person could find to be a little dreary. But did you come into the house of the Lord this morning? Did you wake up this morning and think about the fact that he was still on the throne in spite of whatever else was going on? And that you had one more opportunity that you knew of to come and worship the King of Kings? Did you come into his house this morning ready to shout to the Lord your praises and serve him with such an excitement that you could just see it all over your face? You see, I fear we've gotten so busy trying to play church the right way. We've gotten so busy trying to check the boxes. Oh, I've got to teach this or oh, I've got to be on this committee. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to. We've come with that attitude so often that we've stopped saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. And if I could serve him every day for a million years, I could never serve him the way he served me on Calvary's Hill. I could serve him every moment of every breath of every minute of every life of every person in this universe and never, ever scratch the surface of what he did for me in a few hours on Calvary's Hill. And I ought to serve him with an expression of joy on my face. It should never be what I have to do for God. It ought to be what I get to do for God. It is a privilege to serve a risen Savior. We ought to come with the right spirit, but we also have to come with the right submission. Man, I'm going to have to hurry here. I got stuck on point one. I'm not sorry at all. Those of you who have been here very long know that when I say things like I have to hurry here, you know I'm just saying that so you'll stay interested. I'm not really going to hurry anything. We've got to recognize who we're submitting to. We've got to have a right submission. It says that we should know that the Lord, he is God. To know means to make a distinction. We have to make a distinction that the Lord, He is God, and that He is the God of the Bible. We have to make sure that we're worshiping and submitting to the God of the Bible and not some God that we've chosen for ourselves. Not some God we've created for ourselves. Not some God we've manifested, twisted, or distorted. We have to make sure that we recognize that the God of the Bible is our Lord. Because you see, if we ever recognize that the God of the Bible is our Lord then that proper worship that we talked about a minute ago, that proper service, it just kind of falls right into place. I think that's sometimes what's missing from our worship is that we've got a distorted view of God and just how majestic and magnificent that he is. Because, man, if you can get that, you just can't help but worship him. We get it in the secular world, don't we? I've seen people worship Football coaches, I've seen people worship presidential candidates. I've seen people become so enamored with secular people that they hold them in such a reverence that you can't say nothing bad about them. You try to tell an Alabama football fan that something's wrong with Nick Saban, you'll be in a fist fight. They're probably right. Probably ain't nothing wrong with him. But 
too many times we don't have that same view of God. We don't recognize how magnificent he is. And that's part of why we don't worship him the way that we should. We've got to submit to him because he is God. We've got to submit to his person. We've also got to submit to his purpose, though. It says that know the Lord, he is God. It's he who made us and not we ourselves. He's got like a potter. He took the clay and, and he made us. It, scripture tells us that before we were in our mother's wombs, he knew us. We are beautifully and wonderfully made. Don't you ever forget that either. Young person particularly, but maybe not just young people. Maybe there's somebody here down on yourself for some reason. You don't have the, the view of yourself that God does. You don't have the view of yourself that you should. Don't you ever forget that God crafted you for a purpose. And he crafted you beautifully and wonderfully made in his own image. You were made for a purpose. You were made for a reason. You need to submit to that purpose because that's the thing you won't be fulfilled in your life until you find that purpose that God created you for. Now, I've told you numerous times, we were put on this earth to glorify God. That's why we're here is for his glory. But each of us have a different set of circumstances and things that have played into our lives that give us a different way that we are to glorify God. And so, friends, you have to recognize that you weren't created with no purpose and no hope. You were created with a purpose. And it was to glorify God in some way. So we need to submit to his person that he is God. We need to submit to his purpose that he crafted us for a reason. But look at that last part of verse 3. It says, it's he who made us, not we ourselves. And I love this. It says, we are his people and the sheep of his pastor. And I think that's a gentle reminder to us right there in verse 3. That we can take comfort in that submission to our Savior. We can take comfort in submitting to that Savior. We are his people. We are the sheep of his Pasture, that, that language there gives us the language like a, a shepherd watching over the sheep. And he is our shepherd. And, and like any shepherd, what would the shepherd do? The shepherd would watch over the sheep. He would protect the sheep. He would guard the sheep. Sometimes he would break a sheep's leg to keep it from straying too far. But the shepherd would do what was best for the sheep. And that's the language we see right there is that Jesus is our shepherd. And we can submit to him with the knowledge that we don't have to worry about our needs. We don't have to wonder if he is watching. We have his promises that he will never ever leave us. He will never ever forsake us. We can count on him because he is a faithful God. And when he says he's going to... He's going to. If you study the Bible, you will find that God has always done exactly what he said he was going to do. Therefore, we can have no reason to doubt that he's always going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. 
So when he tells us, when Jesus preaches to us in the Sermon on the Mount, that we don't need to worry. Instead, we should look at the birds of the sky and realize that they're taken care of. And we should go back and recognize that we created in his image were so much more beautifully and wonderfully crafted. And surely, if God is going to care for a sparrow, he is going to care for us and meet our every single need. And yet we fret and concern, and worry, and we pull ourselves away from where our focus needs to be, and it stops us from submitting fully to God. Because that's what worry does to us. Worry says, I can take care of it myself. Faith says, I can't take care of it at all. But I serve a God who can. Submit to His purpose and His person. So we need to come... To God with a right spirit. We need to come to God with a right submission. And finally this morning. We need to come with a right sacrifice. We need to come with a right sacrifice. Look at verse 4 with me. It says enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts. With praise. When we come into the presence of the Lord. Just like the priests in the Old Testament. Had to enter with a proper sacrifice. They had to enter the temple courts and the temple gates with the right sacrifice in order to enter. We need to enter his presence with the right sacrifice ourselves this morning of thanksgiving and praise. That phrase, enter his gates, I want you to think about the purpose of a gate. A gate's purpose was really to be able to be closed, to keep the things that you didn't want in out, and to let the things pass through that you wanted To get on the inside. It was a defensive mechanism a gate is. When Jesus shed his blood for us. And that veil was torn. We now have access to come directly to our holy God. We now have that. That perfect sacrifice has already been made. That we could come to a holy God. And when we come to him, we ought to bring with us our thanksgiving and our praise. Because we are so overwhelmed that he would save a filthy, rotten wretch like me. We should be so overwhelmed by that. Look at verse 5 with me. What should we thank him for? We should thank him for he's good. We should thank him for his mercy because it's everlasting. What's the simple definition for mercy? Not getting what you deserve. Not getting what you deserve is is mercy. What we deserved because of our sin was death and hell. But bless God, his mercy endures and his grace is everlasting and his blood is enough. That 2,000 years ago on Calvary's Hill, Jesus would take my sin and my reproach and he would endure the agony, endure the punishment for that sin. Not because I was good enough and not because I deserved it, but because his grace was sufficient and he loved me that much that he would lay down his life for me, that he would die for me, that he would shed his blood for my sins that I would commit that one day I might be able to enter into his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and enter his courts with praise. And how long do these promises last? Since they endure to all the generations. They endure 
forever. Once you belong to the Father, no one can pluck you from his hand. Once you're his, you're his. Once you're truly his, you're his. So this morning, as we close, I ask you this question, church. I asked you this after the first point. Did you enter into his gates with thanksgiving in your heart and enter into his courts with praise this morning? Did you? Or was it another something you had to do? Because if that was it, we need to examine ourselves. And we all need to examine ourselves this Thanksgiving season. Am I praising God with every fiber of my being and every moment of my life? Am I worshiping Him? Because that is what He is worth. He's worthy of our worship. Worthy of our praise. Let's pray. Father God, Lord... God, we come to you this morning in a season of thanksgiving, Lord God. A season where we give thanks for all the things that you've given us, Lord. But your scripture tells us this morning that we ought to bring a couple of things to you, God. That we ought to bring a spirit of worship, that we ought to bring a submission, and we ought to bring a sacrifice of praise, Lord God. So God, would you convict us, pierce us to the bone if we have not been giving you the sacrifice of praise as we should, if we've not been serving with gladness, Lord God. Would you renew the joy in our service, Lord God. Would you help us to recognize that we get to serve you because of who you are and what you've done for us, Lord God. And that we ought to praise you simply because you are God. God, if there's someone here this morning who's never praised you for who you are because they've never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, God, would you pierce their heart and convict them as only you can. Give them the courage and the conviction to come and lay these things at your feet, Lord God. Burden our hearts that we would come to your altar with thanksgivings, with confessions, with repentance, Lord God. And that we would praise you through this season for who you are. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.